0: Welcome, mortals, to the Idioms, Idiots, and All-Powerful me Podcast. With on co-host is Justin. Hello, hello. So, our first idiom tonight is going to be, blow your mind. Oh, too soon. <laughs> so, blow your mind.
1: Hey, get back in your lamp. <sighs> kind of hard on him, Ryan. Yeah, I'm still dealing with the uh, fallout from my first wish, so. Welcome to the Idioms and Idiots podcast, uh, episode number five. I'm your host, Ryan. With me on co-host is Justin. Hello, hello. And um, somewhere, hiding from the mob, apparently, is Preston. Right? Yeah. So the topic for this week is crazy. And as part of today's topic, as usual, I bring candy. Well, I was going to bring Bonkers, but they were discontinued in 1997. So then I decided to bring Cocoa Puffs because the mascot for Cocoa Puffs is crazy for Cocoa Puffs. But I totally spaced it out, so I ran upstairs and grabbed some Skittles from my Halloween candy stash. So here you go, Justin. Skittles. Aw, thank you. Yeah, and I can actually bring Skittles into our topic a little bit because while doing some research, I found an old phrase that was, Life's not all beer and Skittles. (laughs) And this was actually from the 15th century. Oh, wow. Because Skittles was apparently a game. I haven't done much research on what the game was, but yeah, beer and Skittles. And the reason I love that phrase so much is because there was a reference in The Simpsons where Homer asks for a Skittle brow. After he's told that such a beer does not exist, he then asks for a six-pack of Duff beer and a pack of Skittles. I've
0: never heard the phrase, life's not all beer and Skittles. Have you?
1: I know. I'd never heard it, but I'm going to start using it.
0: (laughs) It's nice that it has a a new context now.
1: Yeah. People will assume I'm referencing The Simpsons instead of a 400, 500-year-old game.
0: So I guess the updated version of that phrase would be, life's not all beer and checkers.
1: Yes. Beer and pogs. That'd be the 90s version of it. Life's not all beer and lawn darts. So, yes, again, topic is crazy. However, we, uh, we left you on a cliffhanger last week. So um, Our cliffhanger idiom was scared straight, and I'm going to let Justin fill us in on scared straight.
0: Okay. Uh, this may have been a poor choice of idiom. <laughs> <laughs> the only part of this that isn't literal is straight meaning good. So the idiom scared straight means to be frightened to such an extent that an improvement in behavior results. So the part of scared straight that's not literal is the word straight. And I couldn't really find the origin of straight being a term to mean good or trustworthy, but it has to date back earlier than Jesus who compared the path of righteousness to a straight and narrow path.
1: So I I just kind of assumed it was 1950s Pray Away the Gay Camps. You'd watch some film, some film strip in school about one man kisses another man and all of a sudden their family dies and their life falls apart, you know, things like that.
0: There's a documentary about a program in which juvenile delinquents were taken to prison and the and inmates would warn them of the horrors of the punishment for crime or warn yeah. them about the life that awaits them Yeah, if they continue to be delinquents.
1: A&E did a, did actually an entire TV series called Beyond Scared Straight. Okay. And, yeah, that, that was the one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the convicts, man, they really they really hammed it up. So, idiom number one, stir crazy to become anxious from being in a confined space for an extended period of time. Go ahead, Justin.
0: I think that this comes from the alternate meaning for stir, as in, to like, stir in your sleep or a movement, like, turning over or moving around. Mm. And if you're in a confined space, all you can do is just stir slightly. Like, you can't get up or walk or, or even walking... Pacing back and forth could be considered stirring.
1: Okay, so it's an overabundance of stirring. Right,
0: all you can do is stir until you are driven crazy.
1: <laughs> okay, I kind of like that.
0: It's like a horse in a stable left for days on end. All you can really do
1: is. I always feel bad for the horses in those horse trailers I see on the freeway, or even worse. You have scenery. That is, that is true. Then you get to experience the open road, they're typically. <laughs> Unless you're one of the cushy horses where they have their own climate-controlled trailer, okay. But you're pretty close. So yeah, of course, confined space. Note: stir is actually another term for prison from the late 1800s. Oh, really? They refer to the prison or jail as as the stir.
0: So did that precede the definition of stir crazy? No, of like stirring around or like how did it get that name?
1: So the etymology behind stir to mean prison. Most likely comes from the Romany word star which means a prison going stir crazy is just going crazy from being in a confined space, from being in prison for too long. So it's like being prison crazy or cabin fever. You're stuck in a cabin for too long and you go crazy. Okay. Ocean madness, you know, things like that. Makes sense. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite idioms where you take an object and then add crazy to the end of it or madness to the end of it. Election fever, election madness. Beaver fever. <laughs> this is our ornithology corner for the ornithology corner for today. We're going to look at the cuckoo bird. Craziest bird around. But Justin, what do you think of when you think of the cuckoo bird? Um, I think of clocks, I guess, because mm-hmm. they pop out and go cuckoo, cuckoo, right? Like, yeah, yeah, okay, they do. Yeah. It, that's a mechanical sound that that is made by billows pushing air through two whistles a lot of what I had read stated that they had that sound and it mimicked a cuckoo bird. So they then used a little miniature cuckoo bird uh, in the clock okay. because they because it matched it the was sound, sound it was that sound they first. had. Okay. Yes, right. Okay. Do you think of the term cuckold when you think of the cuckoo bird? No, because you should. That's I, <laughs> where the term comes from. You want to know why?
0: Nope. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, yes, I do.
1: Okay. It's because the common cuckoo is actually a brood parasite. What does that mean? So a brood parasite will, uh, in the in this case of a cuckoo bird, they will find the nest of another bird, uh, oh. wait for the mother to lay their eggs. When the mother leaves, they run in. Okay, kick yeah, an I've egg heard out. this
0: before. I didn't know cuckoo birds did that.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they they pretty much just kill some other bird and put their egg in its place. Yeah. And so the bird is... And it
0: works because birds are idiots. <laughs>
1: And amazingly, some cuckoos actually, their eggs look like other birds' eggs. So there are certain species of cuckoo yeah, that their okay. eggs have changed color to match the nearby the, birds.
0: The, bird, the species that they prey on. Yeah. And so so it's cuckold when like a man comes in and kills a family's children and inserts his own in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh for those listeners who are not familiar, to be cuckolded, cuckolded? Cuckold? Cuckled. Yeah, to be cuckolded means that someone's having an affair with your partner or your partner is having an affair with someone else. Oh, yeah, Roadrunners are also in the same family. The uh, day family, uh, forms is the order, and Roadrunner, okay. Roadrunners fall into that. Okay. Uh, Roadrunners, however, are not brood parasites. Good for them. Yes, they have standards. I got caught pretending I hadn't
0: actually looked up brood parasite because I wanted you to explain it. <laughs> But I did look up brood parasite and it said that like certain species of bird, certain monogamous species of birds will have extra pair mating. And extra pair mating was highlighted in blue. So I moused over it and apparently there was a webpage called extra pair mating. But when I clicked on it, it just redirected to promiscuity. (laughs) Yeah, I probably shouldn't read this page at work.
1: (laughs) It's always quite scary when you click on a link and the work firewall has blocked it for adult content. You're like, oh, no, (laughs) you're going to fire me. (laughs) All right. Cuckoo bird, brood parasite, lives in a clock. Moving on. Idiom number two, to lose one's marbles, which means to go crazy like most of these will tonight. Justin, what do you got?
0: Okay, so I think this idiom originates back when marbles were a more common children's pastime. If you were that kid that lost your marbles, then that meant that you were, you were know, incapable of keeping track of
1: <laughs> this game. <laughs> <laughs> so you're mentally deficit.
0: Yeah. The one special kid who never could keep
1: his marbles. Okay. <laughs> Sad story. Yep. So you are correct in that it does come from the game marbles from a bygone era. But I say bygone era, my my brother's sister and I, we would play marbles in the front room. Yeah, we did a time or two. But the way people used to play them was ringer is what it was called. You would draw a circle in the dirt and then you'd take your your shooter, which was a large marble and yeah. try to knock other people's marbles out of the circle. And if you played for keepsies, then whatever marbles you knocked out, you got to keep. Okay. So, it was possible to physically lose all your marbles to someone else. Okay. And when you do that, you'd you'd be cuckled. You'll lo- <laughs> you lose your ever loving mind. Yeah.
0: Okay. That makes more sense. Yes.
1: <laughs> Portmanteau corner. In this corner, we look at um we look at some portmanteaus. Portmanteaus are two words that are combined together to form a new word. In past episodes, we've looked at words such as bromance and glamping. We look at the words and decide on a scale of one to five. So whether these words should be added to the dictionary, which is a five, or erased from existence, which is a one. The first portmanteau for the night, nutrageous, a combination of nutty and outrageous. It's also a candy bar I considered bringing in tonight instead of Coca Puffs, Bonkers or Skittles. I thought it was just a combination of nut and outrageous because it's a nutty. I thought the portmanteau was just
0: invented for the candy bar. Are you saying that this exists as well, a crazy, outrageous thing as well? E-
1: even if it is a product name, product names are still portmanteaus. Okay, So right. we get to decide whether or not it becomes part of everyday language.
0: It's uh, like, in terms of pronunciation, it's pretty good, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of meh about it. Really? The whole, you have a
1: hard time picturing yourself using it? Yeah yeah I don't know like if I were to call someone nutrageous I don't know if they would appreciate that term or if they would be offended by it I'm meh about this one what a great way to set someone up on a blind date like yeah I I think I think Sally would be really good for you she's pretty (laughs) nutrageous I would just assume that that meant she had an extreme nut allergy
0: (laughs) that could be the new meaning for this (laughs) word she has peanuts she goes into a nut rage. (laughs) breaks out in hives.
1: So nut-rages is the it's a way to describe someone. That, it's a peanut allergy crank to 11. <laughs> okay. I, I'd do a five for that one. <laughs> I would totally add that to the dictionary. Maybe it could be more of a... we got to figure out how to use it in a sentence, though, for that. Well, like, it could be a more positive word than,
0: I oh, n- I'm allergic to peanuts. you yeah. be like, oh, I'm nut-rages. That <laughs> <laughs> is true. Sounds more positive.
1: Yeah. But could you use it as, like, when you talk about a peanut reaction, I I had a nutrageous reaction. <laughs> yeah. Of course, saying that does make me think like crazy and angry. Now that you've said nut rage, yeah, there's that problem with it. Yeah, maybe it should just be nutty and outrageous, or just yeah, or or I'm nutrageous. I to describe a peanut allergy. Someone with peanut allergies. versus is that misleading that there's a candy bar filled with nuts yeah. named after it? <laughs> Oh, Nutrageous, that's the candy bar for me. (laughs) This might do damage to their uh, branding. Okay, so I have
0: strong feelings about the next one on the list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So the next one on the list is Faction, which I know what you're thinking. That's already a word. That means a small group of people, often an offshoot of a larger group. Yes, Ryan, that is exactly what I'm thinking. (laughs) Would you like to explain to me how this is a portmanteau? So this portmanteau was uh, was created by the personality Glenn Beck in his book, The Overton Window. That's the genre that I think he wants his book to fit into. Yeah, because for some reason,
0: there wasn't a word to describe heavy-handed metaphor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he refers to the book as faction, meaning fiction based on facts.
0: So th- this is a combination of fact and fiction. Mm-hmm.
1: He didn't use the term allegory or metaphor, metaphor
0: or like he was the. My hate for this is multi leveled. The the biggest problem is it's already a word. This is rule one of forming portmanteaus. You can't form a word that already exists and has an entirely separate meaning. <laughs> But setting that aside, I am sort of repelled by the pretentious notion that he somehow wrote a work that defied categorization, (laughs) (laughs) and he therefore needed to invent a new word or reappropriate one that already existed, because faction is a word, to describe what was not an important work in any regard. Like, objectively, he didn't establish a new literary device that other people are using.
1: You want to hear a word? I, a new portmanteau yeah. I just made up <laughs> curious. Okay.
0: Wait, hold on. Uh, let me, let me guess what two words curious is combined from, <laughs> um, curry and curious for people who are interested in Indian food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. It's actually a combination of curio and religious. So it's a curio used in religious what's a a curio Um, a curio it's it's a piece of furniture it's kind of like a waist-high cabinet type thing okay so it's a curio that you use for religious ceremonies it's called curious
0: called a curious yes you know (laughs) it's bad but it's not as bad because you've at least made curious a noun Mm -hmm. which is not it's an adjective so This does better in the sense that, you know, you could still have a separate definition for curious that was the noun form that referred to furniture. Like, that's not quite as abhorrent, but it's
1: it's still bad. Idiom number three, went to see a shrink. So, referring to a psychiatrist as a shrink, a head shrink.
0: Yeah, I have an idea for where this came from. Okay, shoot. I think... I'm going to play on some archetypes that don't know how valid are. <laughs> okay, so I have, a, I have an idea where this came from. I think it would be uh, witch doctors okay. having uh, doing the actual shrinking of heads. There were certain tribes that had an embalming method of taking a head and removing the skull from it and shrinking the head to like a fist-sized shrunken mm-hmm. head. Like, you, yeah. Yeah, they used to actually I'm shrink heads. I'm familiar with that, yes. yeah. And witch doctors did that.
1: Right, it was not witch doctors. It was the Hivaro Indian warriors from Ecuador and Peru.
0: There weren't any witch doctors in that group. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there may have been. (laughs) Witch doctors are the first thing I think of when I think of shrunken heads. Okay, typically worn or like on a necklace, like three three shrunken heads. There, yeah. No, the process for doing that was actually you would um, scoop out the brains and fill the skull cavity with hot sand. Oh yeah, that's right. And the hot sand would cause it to constrict and. There's also probably... like
0: a crushing of the skull and breaking it up too. Oh, really? Because because okay. I mean, you can't go smaller than oh. the bones without getting the, the yeah. bone out somehow.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, they would do that, and and the... so this is the origin
0: of head shrink.
1: <laughs> yes, because it's the it's the scooping out the brains and putting something else in. Like that's oh. what a psychologist does—they scoop out your brains and. You wow, know.
0: that's that's uh, pretty pretty critical of the field of psychology.
1: <laughs> it is. Well, it's and,
0: a derogatory term.
1: Yeah, I actually did make the mistake one time of jokingly saying to a friend who was a psychologist, <laughs> I, "I made some reference about going to a shrink," and they they did not like that term at all. Uh, they could
0: take it. <laughs> you also mentioned that they're not a real science.
1: <laughs> Our next segment is called. Ryan's got problems. Let's, uh, let's fix them in this segment. I tell you about my problems and I, th- so I'm, I'm
0: acting the part of a head shrink here.
1: Yes. You're my head shrink. Okay. Yeah. So my first problem, so I'm renting out my spare bedroom. I made up a Craigslist ad that says tenants wanted, must be employed, well-kept, tidy, keeps to self and practices Judeo-Christian mores. So far, I've gotten three weirdos from some Southern Baptist sect that, uh, the handle eels instead of snakes, can you, can you help me with this? Why are these people showing up at my house?
0: Yeah, it's... it's mores is spelled M-O-R-E-S. Okay. That's a little counterintuitive because it would look like Mores. Mm-hmm. But it's actually pronounced Mores when you're referring to customs or traditions. I get that. but Well, if you... If you did you put in your ad M-O-R-A-Y-S? Because if that's in your ad...
1: I Yeah, M-O-R-R-A-Y-S.
0: M-O-R-R-A-Y-S. Yes. Did you put in your ad M-O-R-R-A-Y-S? I did. Okay, well, that refers to a type of eel.
1: That explains a lot.
0: Yeah, I didn't know there were any Judeo-Christian eels.
1: (laughs) I found them. (laughs) (laughs) They need a place to stay, apparently. (laughs) Or at least their handlers do. All right, problem solved. You want to hear about my other problem? Yes. Okay, so long story short, our local water utility company is run by a bunch of morons, and now I have to dig a well. So I told my Amazon Echo to order me a boring machine so I can make <laughs> a well. Okay. Anyway, I fired it up, and it does absolutely nothing but emit a mild drone and play the audiobook of Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with my Amazon Echo? Why would it order this for me?
0: Did you spell boring B-O-R-R-I-N-G? Maybe. That would be to bore, as in I think the the, the boring isn't cutting a hole is spelled b o r i n g, I think.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> you're supposed to help me with this problem.
0: <laughs> the problem is you need to stop trusting your spell check and looking up some of these words before you type <laughs> your ads.
1: No, I I told my Amazon Echo this. Amazon should know.
0: Oh, that's right. Wait, hold on. You spelled it with one R.
1: Yes, one R.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that means dull, uninteresting,
1: like Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> I see. So what I should have told my Amazon Echo is, hey, Amazon Echo, order me a boring machine, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure making it an onomatopoeia would help.
0: Oh, no, that's two R's. It, they're both spelled the same. Okay. So <laughs> the problem is ordering Amazon Echo because that device is... Basically useless if you have a smartphone.
1: Okay. So don't trust Amazon Echo.
0: Yeah. Alexi probably let you down. I don't think Cortana or
1: Siri would have. <laughs> okay. So you want to hear my next problem? Yep. All right. So I'm, so I'm preparing my Thanksgiving invitation list and I have a friend that I invited last year. And when I texted my friend to invite him, I asked him to, to bring the soda, turkey, and gravy. And he showed up with two bottles of soda. One turkey flavor, one gravy flavor. What the hell is wrong with my friend? Well, so
0: far in your problems, I think the common denominator has been you. (laughs) That said, your friend does have poor taste, but you might consider using an Oxford comma to break out the three separate things that you want so that when he reads your text, he sees that there's three things, the soda, gravy, and turkey. You might also consider putting definite articles in all of those or not. So either say soda, gravy, and turkey, or the soda the gravy and the turkey i see both of those are options to clarify the way he interpreted it was that you wanted him to bring the turkey and gravy soda which Mm. jones soda
1: makes i think they do yes so i will invite my friend this year for thanksgiving you'll use an oxford comma when i text him this time i will use an oxford comma and just to be safe definite articles thank you you have fixed my problems that'll be 90 (laughs) dollars For idiom number four, we're going international. Norway, specifically. The phrase, helt Texas. This means it's going completely crazy.
0: Uh, I love this one. Go for it. So, I did know a Norwegian family when I was in Africa. And not to judge the group based on one example, but just in general, I get the impression that Norway has a very different culture than Texas. <laughs> 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 I, I think that's a safe way of putting it. <laughs> So, I just have to imagine that some Norwegians, at one point in time, took a trip to Texas. <laughs> and it was just a very different cultural experience for them. <laughs> I, I picture this like a a road trip joke. You know how like you have an inside joke when you come back. Oh, yeah, so I picture those those Norwegian tourists coming back to Norway. And whenever there was something that was like overblown or just larger than life, they would be like, that's completely Texas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're actually pretty right on this one. The phrase actually comes from mid 1900s. It's from uh, American Westerns being shown in Norway. And that kind of craziness <laughs> in the old West, you Yeah, know, they associate that yep. with Texas. Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think within America, there's the association of texas and crazy yeah but or it's, like
0: larger than life at least y- yes
1: outrageous nutrageous, if you will <laughs> <laughs> i won't but yes <laughs> i was somewhat disappointed to find out it was actually from old western movies yeah so
0: new inside joke for idioms and idiots listeners start going out in there and using the phrase dar tell texas <laughs> 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 it'll be our inside joke now
1: our next corner is the pseudoscience corner Ooh yay tonight's pseudoscience is phrenology which is the study of the bumps and valleys on a person's skull to determine their overall personality personal characteristics personality traits so a little bit of background phrenology was founded by an austrian phrean physician franz joseph gall he lived from 1758 to 1828 and phrenology actually did garner quite a few followers The Internet Archive has a phenomenal collection of books on phrenology, which is where I got a lot of my information here. I'll give you a a little taste of it. Informations in quotes. Yes. Oh, it's it's information. It's just not accurate. Yeah, I guess. The idea was that the brain is kind of made up of multiple organs, and each organ, depending on its size, determines um, how much of that organ's characteristic you have. All the characteristics are lumped into large groups like domestic propensities, selfish propensities, selfish sentiments, moral sentiments, intellectual sentiments, and so under like domestic propensities, we would have adhesiveness, which is an organ of social attachment, amativeness, which is a desire for the happiness of the opposite sex, uh, concentrativeness, the power of continuity in thought. And as I was going through these, I couldn't help but be reminded of the start of a lot of video games where you get to build your character, like you get to choose their strength and their intelligence and stamina and I can't help but notice that I looked through this whole list and there's no there's no organ for sex. Uh that would almost be <laughs> amativeness, actually. Because I, I did start to read through this and then I got bogged down in the <laughs> crap of it. So amativeness. This organ produces sexual passion and imparts to its possessor a desire for the happiness of the opposite sex.
0: that's a nice
1: way of putting it. Yeah. One in whom this organ predominates will incline to be libidinous, licentious, and lustful. What a way with words. (laughs) I'm not sure I know what all those mean. (laughs) Oh, phenomenal quote from Destructiveness. If you're predominant in the destructiveness organ, quote, his language will abound with pungent sarcasm and cutting remarks. (laughs)
0: I don't care about this at all.
1: <laughs> let's let's see if I can figure out where that bump in your head is. Uh, let's see, mirthfulness. Well, you're not very mirthful right now. <laughs> Low ability in- to enjoy my mirth.
0: How
1: hmm. oh, about veneration? Small veneration. Inability to produce sentiments of reverence. Marvelousness produces credulity of mind. I didn't see anything about it, but I wonder if there was like a subset of phrenologists that offered to reconstruct your skull.
0: Yeah, probably. They did all sorts of terrible, terrible things throughout all of history, That's especially true. in the field of psychology, but broadly in well, this field of medicine as well.
1: Yeah, medicine in general in the 1800s. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Man, you... it's a waking nightmare. <laughs> Speaking of which, man, you are hating this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Like, there's nothing for
1: me to. <laughs> to your credit, I did kind of spring this on you at the last minute. <laughs> listeners, yeah, I think I think like you'll. A couple hours ago, Ryan's like, "You know what's
0: awesome? Phrenology."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the listeners might appreciate it because this took the place of my insane asylum fashion show, which included things like straight jackets, straight waistcoats, restraint jackets for children, leg irons, all that fun stuff. Lovely. That skit did not write itself. <laughs> So Nightmares you, from the annals of history. <laughs> yes. So you got phrenology. You're welcome. All right. And this episode is now coming to a close. So we leave you with our cliffhanger idiom, idiom number five. This idiom is the word baddie, meaning someone's baddie, meaning they're crazy. The Using the term baddie to mean crazy. If you want to take a stab at the origins of the word baddie for crazy, tweet it to us. We are at Idioms Idiots on Twitter. You can also email it to us, idioms.idiots at gmail.com, or go to our Facebook page. You can just do a search for Idioms and Idiots Podcast. We'll be there. Our logo looks like a book with um, our logo on it. (laughs) Do you want to go watch The Shining? Yes. (laughs) All right. We're out.